Good evening from Plugkit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we are here with episode um, 548 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology for Sunday, January 26th, 2020. Uh, this show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Apple's playing fast and loose with privacy. Fortnite is invading schools, and Google's hiding the favorites. I had a typo in there. Wherever you are, and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on uh, uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, on uh, any of our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Mixer, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, on any of the podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, uh, Spotify, TuneIn, or the myriad of others, or of course on our website, PlugHitsLive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways you can do that. The first is Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to uh, f5live.tv slash join us, and you can uh, chat with us in the studio, join us for the show live, and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Avram and I always love to hear what you have to say, uh, and that is a great way to do it. Uh, if you can't join us live, that's okay. You can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe, and you will see all of those different ways that you can subscribe to our show, uh, as well as all the other shows as well. Right now, we've got a lot of CES content uh, coming. We did over 150 interviews in four days. It was a uh, an intense experience. We'll talk about that in just a second. But I think that uh, is the spiel, Avram. I have we have not talked since CES because uh, boy, did the bug get those of us on this end. Uh, yeah, it hasn't been, I've been okay. Everyone in my family's had some problem, but I've been, I've been okay. Physically anyway. Chugging um, right along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh. Well, that's good. How has your, uh, yeah, how I has your post like CES going? Though. Yeah, right? Even if you weren't sick, CES is such a, such a drain. I don't know. I, I feel yeah, I feel I still feel uh, drained from it, uh, to be honest. But um, you know, it'll be. Uh, <laughs> uh, I better be undrained this week because there's too much to do. But um, yeah, it's been, um, you know, it's been uh, it's been a time. But um, you know, I think we're now we're starting to get. Um, starting to see some of the you know there's also a very dead time after ces when yeah. you know we don't get a lot of information from companies they're um they're just unpacking their stuff from ces also let's keep in mind that it is the chinese new year mm -hmm. so a lot of companies that are uh that are based in in china they're you know they're not they're taking off for a week or two some even three weeks yep um around this time so it's um so that makes it somewhat of a quiet period as well and then you've also um, got those companies that after ces went right to nam and so they're recovering from yeah. two back-to-back -back shows this year <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so 
you know, I expect uh, the volume and interest of news and interesting products to pick up in February, but a lot, but all the cool stuff that we saw at CES, you probably won't see. You just don't start to see it until later in the spring. Yeah. Particularly when you have things like laptops where a lot of the time they're waiting on new processors or, or, or things that haven't been mass produced yet. Right. So, you know, some of the things that we saw that looked kind of cool, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't, uh, if we don't actually uh, see in our lab for review until May. Um, so, <sighs> we will, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, obviously, some of the stuff uh, that gets shown off at CES is available, uh, at least in limited quantities for review at the show. I've got a stack of things over here on the on the shelf to, to get to once we start pumping out these uh, uh. these live interviews. But, you know, it's it's very... A very small number of things: some TCL headphones, a new LumaCharge uh, desk lamp, uh, the upgrade I think to the one that they showed off last year. You know, little things like that. But yeah, the the big stuff that I, uh, that's waiting on things like Intel or AMD to to put out their yeah. next thing before they can put out their next thing, which is a lot of the stuff that you cover. So what? Were, so what would you say are the three coolest things that you saw at CES? Wonder Painter was number one uh, by a wide margin. Uh, in fact, for our for the TPN team, we have never had a unanimous vote on the uh, the best of CES award uh, until this year. Uh, Wonder Painter is really cool. You can draw a picture of a thing, take a picture of it, and uh, it will come to life uh, as a, a 3D interactable sprite. And the the AI is able to determine like joints and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, we were thinking kids books and stuff like that. The kid can be the protagonist in their own story. You know, that's, that's super cool. Um, so they were our, our top pick, um, from a, from a general like consumer standpoint, I think the, the Keurig, uh, bartender was a really cool product. Um, they announced it last year, but they announced availability this year, um, within within the tech podcast network i think we already have five of them <laughs> because yeah. because everybody was so excited they went out and bought one so i think there are five within tpn right now um and a third thing for me would ha probably be we've had them on the show before um but some of the new stuff that they did um Zero mass water, the uh, hydro panels. I I really really love that technology. It's as easy to install as a solar panel, and it produces water from the air. That's just crazy. <laughs> so I would say those are probably my three. What about you? Well, so uh, I really, you know, I don't know that this counts as a new one since they just keep refining it. But I'm always impressed with the UbiTech Walker, which is getting closer to being a real product. Um, that's the humanoid, five foot tall robot that um, that UbiTech shows at their booth. They think of it as potentially being a domestic robot. 
last year they showed it and it was really impressive but they made significant changes to it uh now it walks with a completely like human-like gait okay uh, it doesn't look like it's constipated when walking around <laughs> it can do yoga it can do it can do yoga like stand on one foot and stretch uh it can uh draw things with a pen with its hands okay it can that's um, impressive like it can pour drinks and like know not to spell um depending on how it it fits uh and it so it's it's gotten a lot a lot better a lot closer to being like consumer ready this is the one with the blue ring around so, the head right yes okay yes it's a screen the face is like a screen with eyes um uh you know it's uh it just it looks like a if you ever see the Honda Osimo or whatever mm-hmm. it looks a little bit like one of those um you know i'm sure it'll be it'll be something where maybe they'll trial it in a nursing home or something and it like um uh, cuz they definitely see it targeted toward helping uh, elderly people although possibly just being a general home uh, assistant but um you know, I, I don't I don't know when it's going to actually come out, uh, but I know that making a video with it last year made me the most popular guy at career day at my son's school. <laughs> Everybody thought I invented the robot, which I didn't. I had to correct them from that. Um, when I showed them, I, I did a video with this robot and then I did another one this year. Uh, but the. I mean, that's always really impressive. Sure. I'm really. uh I'm really excited about this is maybe a really small thing, but I'm really excited about how small uh, how small power bricks are getting. So if you saw Aki's Omnia series of chargers, they are they claim and I, I believe it based on what I've seen to have the smallest 60 and 100 watt chargers. This means that uh, like, OK. Here, here's the power brick that came with my uh, Lenovo ThinkPad, and it's this Type-C power brick that does, I think, 65 watts. Um, there's, um, so that's that's what came with my laptop. Here is, well, here I have one that I bought that's not the newest model, right? Um, yeah. That, does, that also does 65 watts, but... The one that they showed was half the size, basically. So, so, so this is interesting. We had on the live show the a guy from the company that developed the technology that made that possible. Oh, the the GAN. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had them on the live so show this are they year. All, they're all using the same thing inside. You mean? Uh, I mean, because I know he, this is all based on the fact that they're using GAN. Yeah. Yeah, so we had somebody from GAN on the show. So (laughs) that was a fun conversation. It's I I I would be really curious about about that because obviously you know when I talk to the companies like uh, Aki and Anchor, they just say oh it's smaller. They're not really at least the people I talked to weren't very scientific. Uh Um, I'd be kind of curious what this even makes possible like it just keeps getting smaller and smaller so does that mean batteries can get smaller what about what about can they put this into a power supply for a desktop 
Um, Almost certainly. You know what? Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's impressive. I like I like to see it. Um, another thing that I saw that really uh, impressed me is uh, coming out in a few months. It's going to be the A-Data XPG Sage SSD. And it will not be alone because there will be a few others with the same controller. Uh, but it will be probably the first to have what they claim is 1 million IOPS and the ability to read at 7.1 gigabytes per second and write at 6 gigabytes per second. Wow. Which would make it the fastest, at least the fastest like consumer SSD in the world. Um, this is all made possible because of because of PCIe uh, 4 support for storage uh, that AMD has that Intel still doesn't have uh, and apparently we've learned won't have on their next generation either. Uh, so they're way behind. So I can see why some of the companies like Samsung haven't jumped into this pool yet because, mm-hmm. you know, it's only a certain set of folks with the latest AMD processors and the highest end motherboards that can take advantage. But it's just really impressive to see. And you know that that's where it's going, where Intel and will go, where you'll see it in laptops as well. Uh, But probably not for, but other than AMD, probably not for another year or two. Uh, So in, in positive news, I went, as you were talking, I searched for, a data sage ssd and uh your article was the first one to come up <laughs> i'm like hey, well, i know that guy I don't, I don't know i don't know i don't know if it's a search term but uh but yeah i mean uh a data had a great uh suite uh they you know they're not a company a lot of people um uh think about a ton uh, if you get ssds maybe you think about them but now they're actually coming out with their own line of laptops. Wow. They're coming out with their own line of, they're going to come out with their own branded version of the Intel NUC desktops. And they also, I won't say they sell it because they say that they're not actually selling it. They're just making it for high profile clients and, and royalty as they gave one to a Thai prince to the prince of Thailand. Interesting. But they make 24 karat gold keyboards. So they had on display at their booth at their suite a 24 karat gold plated keyboard, and okay. uh, it was a version of their Summoner keyboard, which has been out for a few months. And they said that they've already given it to the Prince of Thailand and some other really high profile partners of theirs. If they were going to sell it, they would charge $10,000 for it. It cost them about $2,500 to make. So I guess if they were going to sell it, they would charge a 400% markup. But since they're not, oh my this goodness. is what it costs them. Anyway, um, so, so they had some interesting stuff. But I think the SSD, while not interesting looking, uh, the fact that it's going to have this kind of ridiculous speed is is fascinating yeah for sure uh the, this year seemed like you and i have talked about this before this year seemed like one of those years that wasn't just incremental we saw some truly interesting 
new things this year and companies getting into new things and stuff like that. I, I wouldn't say that it was the, what was, what was the other thing that we said? Incremental and experimental. I didn't feel like it was fully like an experimental year, but it was way more than, I think this was the quietest. So there were some really interesting things. On the other hand, it was a very quiet show in terms of the major players. AMD did a couple of announcements, but Intel not really. Intel didn't uh, even have. Microsoft, Intel gave up their booth. They gave up their booth. Like, (laughs) it doesn't say good things about the future of the show, like whether it's going to continue as a big show. When a large, some of the biggest companies are are reducing their presence in a big way, so or, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, or maybe it shows that that the focus of the show is shifting. It it's happened before. If you go look at you know uh, photos from CES in the '60s and '70s, it was a ton of hi-fi companies, and you know all those guys are relegated to small booths in the back corner these days, you know, Crosley and, and, uh, Victrola and those companies that used to have huge floor presences at CES have these tiny booths in the back corner. Maybe we're about to see, maybe we're about to see another mass shift, uh, like what happened in, uh, the late seventies for CES. Maybe, but what I did see, and I'll just leave the CES stuff at that is that I had the least amount of trouble getting a cab that I've ever had. It was the I had the least amount of noticed the least amount of foot traffic that uh, in the halls there that I ever have. So, and it's like twelve in a row CESs for me. So, it seems like there were fewer people. And uh, we we had a conversation about this on air on Thursday, talking about Wednesday. Um, the sands on Wednesday seemed to be the fullest I've ever seen it. And uh, Danielle said that uh, Central Hall was the emptiest she'd ever seen it. Oh, yeah. I mean, LVCC of the two for, and this is inside baseball for people who haven't been to CES, there's two main locations. There's the Sands Expo Center, and then there's the Las Vegas Convention Center. uh, And those, I mean, there are lots of things in hotels too, but those are the two main official uh, expo areas. And the LVCC was sort of the original area and the sands became sort of the spillover area. But the last few years, the sands has had, at least from my perspective, the vast majority of the stuff that I want to see is in the sands and Me not too. in the LVCC. Yeah. It's so. the reason why it's where we built our studio because the stuff we want to yeah. see is there too. So um, anyway, for those of you who uh, may not have followed either of our coverage during CES 2020, uh, Definitely check out what Tom's Hardware uh, has been doing over at tomshardware.com. And uh, you can see our stuff at pluckitslive.com slash CES. This week's Nifty Gifties and F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new tablet or a laptop or maybe a new xbox one x which right now you can save 150 dollars and get a free controller um or maybe you're looking to sign up for the xbox game pass ultimate which i have 
and I love um, play all the games uh, you want from a huge selection of games uh, for free on PC and on Xbox and you get Xbox Live with it. It's a great deal. Uh, you can find all of that and a whole lot more by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So, um, we were talking CES, and we will talk a little CES-ish here now. Um, so during CES, um, Apple made their first appearance in decades, uh, they did not have a show floor presence um, the way that Google started having, what, two years ago. Uh, but they did appear on a panel that was about consumer privacy. And they felt that this was the perfect time to uh, reveal that, they reg that if you have an iPhone and you use the iCloud backup uh, for your device... Uh, they regularly violate your privacy and they scan all of your files um, for all of your backups. Now, they, uh, they did say that the reason they do it is because they are looking for child exploitation content. However, that's the same argument that the Department of Justice keeps using to prevent, uh, to try and convince companies not to use encryption. <laughs> um, because it allows for people to become more comfortable with the concept because to be able to scan for that or any other content, they have to index your files. Then, this week, uh, they, uh, information came out through uh, Reuters that Apple had once considered encrypting your device backups and backed out of the concept during development because the FBI said, please don't. And they said, okay. And they stopped, which opened the door for them to be able to scan this content. So um, when Apple runs those TV ads saying, we care about your privacy-ish. Uh, <laughs> What I want to know how the scanning works. Yeah, I, I'd be very... What do we know about how the scanning works? They were very vague about it. Um, as soon as they said it, there was like an immediate, let me justify this. Uh, and the time was spent on justification, not on uh, behavior. But Because, because this is, uh, I mean, first of all, I'll just say I think that they should encrypt it because you can't you can't trust that the beginning and end of something is you know there's it's that's always the argument for everything is look at what a bad person could do mm -hmm. and you could take your pick of bad bad acts is it child exploitation is it terrorism is it mm -hmm. you know is it drug dealing whatever you know like the, i'm sure there's there's always some there's oh you could easily come up with a bad act that someone could hide by encrypting their stuff. Sure. However, if you, however, you could say the same thing about almost any form of security. Mm -hmm. Oh, so if I put a lock on my door, yep. uh, that means that I, that means that I can keep 
I can keep uh, bad stuff in my house. Mm -hmm. If I have a safe in my house that's hard to crack or you can't crack, <laughs> that means I can keep bad stuff in it. Like, you know, at what point, I mean, should we not be allowed to have any security because somebody could do something bad with it, could use it to hide bad behavior? I would be very concerned about the scanning that they're doing, though. Like, what are they doing with it? Like, what are they looking for? Who's looking at it? Is it a person? Is it an algorithm? Do we know if this how accurate this algorithm is? Is this algorithm? What is the algorithm looking for? Is it looking for? Is it just looking for child exploitation? What is it? And what does it consider child exploitation to be? If if somebody puts up a picture of a be of their child in a diaper, is it going to false maybe flag that? you know, yep. flag that by accident and, and report it to the FBI. Like what, or God forbid, you know, the, uh, the, the common, uh, bathtub picture. Yeah. Now, you know, we don't, we don't take such pictures of my children. No, uh, but, but people used to do, people yeah. used to do that. And, and now if you did, you really would be in, you could be in some trouble. Cause Apple's going to uh, tattle you know, on you pictures of, because when I was a when I was a baby, I think my parents took pictures of me in the bathtub, and you know, if I'm sure if my mother were to had an iPhone and were to back that up to i my picture from decades ago uh, to iCloud, uh, I don't know what you know what would happen. So, right. like, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's if they're going to say it, there's I mean, first of all. You know, there's a lot of just trust us in this, which you should never do uh, with a company with your data. Just trust us that we're looking through your data. Yeah, um, it, for they me, they wouldn't be the only ones, though. No, for me, it doesn't matter who the company is. Even if it's a company I 100 yeah. percent trust, and our regular viewers know that I don't, I don't fully trust either of the either of the mobile players. Um, but you know, even if it was a company I 100 percent trusted. I still don't trust him. Yes. You know what I mean? I mean, I I am surprised, though, that more people don't. When you talk about scanning your content, we've kind of accepted now for several years that our emails are all being scanned, um, that our emails are all being scanned, presumably to service ads or to give us, to tell us how to reply. I mean, you look at the feature that Gmail has where it... Um, suggests what you tell somebody and i'm always i'm always weirded out by the suggestions on the other hand there's a good chunk of the time and this makes me feel absolutely horrible where it's like oh your response was great well that's what i would have pretty much said maybe i would have said awesome instead of great but there it is so you know i'll just go with it but i mean they're reading your email uh -huh. i mean a machine is reading your email, but something is looking at your email to tell to tell you uh, to give you those suggestions and to give you suggested ads. Too. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, I I know I'm a little more on the the paranoid side, but I we use an email server service that doesn't show ads, that doesn't scan because I don't trust nobody. <laughs> I don't want my corporate I mean, that's, emails that's scanned. Probably a good, that's that's a that's a good idea. 
you know, when when talking about maybe like some of the stuff that more people should do it, some of the stuff that we do, right? We get embargoed content. God forbid it's coming from a from a company that's a competitor of Microsoft or Google or Apple or somebody who provides email or Yahoo yeah. that provides email. I don't want them scanning that. Yeah. I don't want to be the one that yeah, accidentally that. algorithm leaked their information. No thanks. Well, yeah, you would never know. Right. But, oh, no good. But anyway, so I, again, a little more on the paranoid side, um, sitting in Las Vegas after this press, after this, uh, this panel, I turned off all of the iCloud backups off of my phone. Not using it all. Bye-bye. Terminated my account on iCloud. Not interested. Bye-bye. Obviously, again, a little more paranoid than the average person, but um, I, I did it while we were still in Vegas. So I, I'm somebody who wants my privacy left alone. That's why you don't see me post a whole lot of interesting information on Facebook because I, I don't nobody else needs to know. But anyway, uh, definitely something to consider, something that needs to be um, needs to be known when making a consumer decision. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Pure VPN. If you're Anywhere on the uh, paranoid spectrum that I am, uh, VPN is a great way to hide your browsing history, your browsing uh, patterns from Google and Facebook and your ISP. Uh, PureVPN is a great option for that. Uh, for $2.91 a month right now, you can get a two-year plan and you can get all of the obfuscation and the ability to say where, where you are. So maybe you're out of the country on a business trip, you want to be able to watch your Hulu or your Netflix or your Amazon or whatever, uh, you can still get that. And uh, to get that deal, uh, you can go to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. So we talked about it a little bit at the top of the show. Intel and their, uh, their is it Nook? Is it Nook? What, how do you pronounce it's that platform? Next- it's the next unit of computing is what the it stands for and you see okay so i don't know i tend to call it nuck because so as not to confuse it with the nook which was the barnes and noble tablet yeah but Disaster. that was spelled n o o k okay so it was cute in its day yeah it but cute. it didn't so, stand a chance so we'll call it the yes. nuck uh, what no. has Intel got going on this yes. year? So there's some, so CES is an interesting show for companies getting into spaces that they haven't before, sort of. So uh, I Buy Power is now in the lighting, ambient lighting business. They're going to be releasing lights for your room, yeah. uh, sort of competing with uh, the likes of Nanoleaf. Uh, and Intel and a bunch of uh, its partners are now in the business of really trying to push tiny gaming desktops. Now, if you've probably heard of the NUC before, Intel has been making NUC uh, computers, their little tiny mini PCs for, 
I don't know, probably around a decade now. Um, but these have primarily been small, bare-bone systems that a few that you know were sold under the Intel brand, and you'd buy them, and some people would get them and put their uh, you use them for things where they really needed a minimal, uh, minimally sized desktop. Maybe if you ran an old-fashioned internet cafe or I don't know something like that, a kiosk, you you'd buy people would buy Nux and they'd pay a little more than they would normally pay for desktop, but hey, it's nice and small. Uh, but but now Intel's doing something different and new with the NUC brand. So they, the Intel has gotten a bunch of partners to sell their own NUCs using what it calls the Intel compute element. So do you remember the Intel compute card? Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that they would have this little card, a computer on a card, and then they would then... I guess appliances or something like that would the smart TVs would have them and you could pop pop out the old card and pop in a new card for an upgrade. Uh, that thing died pretty quickly because we couldn't find anyone who had actually used it. Um, well, this is sort of that idea mixed with gaming. Um, and what it is is the Intel NUC will come on a PCI card, basically, and it will pop into this little tiny daughter board and that will become a computer. And so a bunch of companies, including Razer uh, and CyberPower, uh, announced that they are selling full pre-built desktops with this Nook inside. And these new generation Nooks will work with a discrete graphics card. So you will have a second slot in the computer that you can use for a seriously powerful discrete GPU up to like an NVIDIA uh, RTX 2080 super card um, or maybe even higher. Uh, and you'll have this in a tiny case and you'll either, though there are companies that are going to sell them pre-built with everything in it. And then there are also going to be others that just sell the cases and you'll buy the NUC, the cases with the power supply in them and you'll buy the NUC from Intel, the compute unit from Intel. And then Intel is also selling it uh, in their own case. And ADATA is going to be selling it in basically Intel's case, but labeled as ADATA and in an optional pink color. Um, but uh, this is the first time that A, this product has worked with discrete graphics. So it, you know, they're actually trying to use it for gaming. I mean, they ha- have had prior models that they said, oh, this could be used for gaming because it has our our best integrated Iris-level graphics, but uh, I don't think too many people take uh, took Iris graphics uh, seriously as like a real uh, real platform for for gaming. Um, but they Intel is trying to sort of build a little market segment of mini gaming desktops. Now... I'm very skeptical that this is going to go anywhere. I think the products are going to come out. So there's that. Uh, but I don't think they're going to sell very well. And I don't know how long they're going to continue uh, refreshing. Because the initial, Intel hasn't disclosed all the pricing yet. But the initial indications are you're going to be paying a lot more for lower level performance. So 
the thing I didn't say yet about the NUC is it uses a, a mobile processor. So it uses the same H-series processors, the same 45-watt H-series processors that you find in a laptop. Uh, and people who buy gaming laptops are used to having a little bit less performance, a little bit less CPU performance anyway, because they know that, hey, you can't stick a regular 95-watt CPU in these uh, desktop in these laptops or the the cool you know it's just gonna have to be huge to cool it and it just isn't gonna work uh but if you're buying a desktop why would you want laptop performance and why would you want to pay hundreds of dollars more than you would pay for a desktop that's almost as small so for example and we don't have a lot of the pricing like you said um the site uh CyberPower said that their version is going to have a Core i9-9980HK CPU, um, which is the highest level mobile CPU, a terabyte SSD, uh, 16 gig of RAM, and an RTX 2080 supercard, and it's going to be $2,400. Um a, I priced it out. A similarly building your own desktop with a mini ITX case, so the smallest kind of case available, not that much bigger than the case CyberPower is using, would be about nineteen hundred dollars. So you're paying, and that is with a desktop processor that is significantly faster. So it's hard to justify like who these people are that are going to buy this. They want something really small, but they don't want it to be portable like a laptop. They want a they want a desktop, but they want but they're okay with settling for laptop grade performance. Uh and another sort of selling point is hey you can upgrade it. You can pop that uh that compute unit card out and replace it. Uh, later when Intel comes out with the next generation of them. I'm not, I don't think people should be buying products based on, hey, I can upgrade the CPU. We've seen too far and too long where, you know, the next model of something requires a different, you know, different kind of motherboard. Although in this case, there's really no motherboard. There's a daughter board and then the compute unit pops into it. But you really, if if that's what you're thinking about, you're really thinking, a couple of years ahead that, hey, I'm going to upgrade this in a couple of years and I really want to keep my chassis because that's basically the whole computer right there is on that card. So, and also it uses laptop RAM too. So I'm, I'm really not sold on this concept. It seems like unless the prices turn out to be dramatically lower uh, and Intel announced their own bare bones prices for the NUC, that they're going to sell, and it seems insane. A Core i5 NUC, uh, which is the compute unit that's Core i5, uh, but it comes in Intel's case, which is kind of ugly looking, and with a 500 watt power supply, is going to be a thousand fifty dollars. So a bare bones Core i5 system with a mobile Core i5 chip. You bring your own RAM, bring your own SSD, bring your own graphics card. Is a thousand fifty dollars? 
you can get a laptop, a gaming laptop, for $750 with the same CPU inside that has a screen, a keyboard, the graphics card, the RAM, the storage, the whole thing for $750. But you're going to spend $1,050 and just get the CPU and an ugly case? Like, and, and the Core i9 version is $1,700, bare bones. So these things seem way overpriced for a niche of people who want to build a PC, but they don't want to have the flexibility to actually do much, cut, do much customizing, because all you can do is put a graphics card in, maybe one or two M2 SSDs and some RAM. You can't really, you know, it's a tiny chassis, so you can't really customize. Uh, so they want something that, if you're a builder, it's like a 30 second build, which kind of defeats the purpose of building. If you're, if you want a small PC, you can get a slightly larger one that has a full desktop processor. And in all cases, you're probably spending less money. So I just don't, I don't really see the point of this unless it turns out to be much cheaper, but you know, I've been known to be wrong, but from where I'm sitting, it sounds like the next uh, iteration of the compute uh, card, which uh, was gone uh, before it could make any impact. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, you Did know, you see any of the the nut PCs? So I've been I've been looking while you've been talking at uh, both the specs on the on the elements, the version eight and the version nine, um, as well as some of the announcements during CES, and you know the. The place, the only place where I could see something, something like this, but not this, because of the mobile processor, would be maybe for me for like the portable studio. But, but I need the ability for inputs and stuff that this would never support. So even even for me, I can't see it because I can't see gamers being interested in it. Again, because you're paying more than desktop prices for laptop hardware. I can't see PC. I mean, although the graphics card, the one thing I to be fair to them is it's a desktop graphics card, but there's not a lot of cooling in those cases. Right. So it's hard for me to believe that you're going to be able to push them very hard. True. Yeah. I, I can't see builders being interested despite the fact that the, the, the swap out thing sounds like that might be, somebody they're trying to target. I I don't know who their target demo is. Maybe we're all looking at this wrong. Right. I mean I, I don't know who they who they think their target demo is. I'd love to ask. <laughs> but uh. I mean all all I can say is from the reporting about it, I've seen other tech publications really excited about the fact that they can build a PC in, in like five minutes. But I think that kind of defeats the point. Like why do it? You know, I mean, you build a PC because you want to customize, because mm -hmm. you want to have things your way. If all you're doing is taking a standard unit and maybe adding storage and RAM to it, and okay, and then you're adding a video card, that's not a lot of customization. I mean, what what people who, are, who really like to build PCs are all about is, well, some of them do it because they, they feel like they can do it a little cheaper. This is certainly not that. Um, but, but what building a BC is really all about is 
this pride of ownership. Like I put my RGB lights in it and I got exactly this, that I, this thing I wanted and that thing I wanted. This isn't going to provide you with that kind of flexibility. So I, I it's certainly not, it's certainly not PC builders. Mm-hmm. Gamers who want a really small gaming PC, I guess, but there are others on the market that are in mini ITX cases. There's some really tiny ones like Zotac makes. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. that use desktop CPUs. I, 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 I don't get it. I, I don't either. I don't know. I don't know who they think their customer is for this. Maybe they're going to come out and be like, hey, this is who our customer is. And we'll all go, you know, I had never even considered them as an option. I don't know who that might be, but... I, Intel seems to be I mean, in a the, weird place right now, and I feel yeah. I, I I I'm with you. I don't I don't see where this product lives, and I think it is just a symptom yeah. of that weird place that Intel's in right now. Yeah. They seem to have forgotten who they are or something, and they're trying to be something else but they don't know what that something else yeah. is. I mean, I was just, I was impressed that they managed to get, uh, to get real, some actual companies to go along with this, like Razer. Yeah. But, so um, did steam, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, you know, if these end up being a, a moderate failure and like they end up cutting the prices dramatically, they might be an okay thing to own, but I can't imagine that at the prices that we're seeing, why somebody would want them. Yeah, me neither. That's it's definitely crazy. But Steam got big companies on board with a bad idea too. So uh, <laughs> I will never forget receiving the press release from Dell um, that they had given up on Steam OS and were going to release the Steam machine with Windows Eight. We've got them in in stock. We're just going to go ahead and release them. Sorry. Steam, we're done. <laughs> All right, that's pretty funny. Anyway, um, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see if they, they figure something out here, but I'm with you. I don't think they will. I imagine we're talking about it because you're working on something on it. Yes, we're working on a story on it, which says pretty much this. Uh, I've talked to a couple analysts about what they think is coming with it. Um, you know, nothing nothing too surprising. I just think this was something that kind of a lot of people were talking about at the show and, you know, we're still waiting to see it come out, but wow, it seems a lot like another, it seems a lot like the compute card all over again. Yes, it does. Well, I look forward to, uh, to seeing the piece when it comes out. Um, in particular, I, I love, I always love reading what, analysts have to say about some of the crazy stuff that we're subjected to. <laughs> and this will be, this will be one of those things I, I look forward to seeing. So, and as always, I look forward to seeing what we talk about next week.
This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on a PC or on console are available from Razer. Whether you're looking for a new mouse like the one I've got here, keyboard like we use here in the studio, or uh, some more uh, unique accessories like um, webcams designed specifically for game streaming, um, Razer has got them all. And you can find all of the deals, including their uh, refurbished store, which has some incredible deals right now. Uh, you can find all of that by going to f5live.tv slash Razor. So, um, something came across my feed this week that was interesting and annoying all at once. We'll start with the interesting. Um, so, uh, this week, officially Fortnite is a high school sport. It's interesting. Let me explain how that happens. There's an organization, uh, with more words than letters in their acronym. It is the national federation of high school, nope, of state high school associations. You're not... Uh, and their acronym is NFHS, which is the most confusing acronym possibly ever. But it's theirs to choose. Um, they are responsible for deciding what is and is not a sport. Esports was added a while ago in a partnership with an organization called Play VS. I'm assuming VS stands for Varsity Sports, but I couldn't tell you for sure. Um, what they've done is they have created the fields quote-unquote fields, on which the teams can play. Uh, so they've built an infrastructure for eSports, specifically for schools with brackets and the whole thing built in. Really clever idea. Um, and they have added Fortnite to their list of supported games. So it's not as exciting as it sounds. This company worked with Fortnite to make the thing work. Um, what annoys me about this is that there's one sport out there in schools now that is not considered a sport, and that's robotics, um, which, as Dean Kamen is uh, famous for saying, it's the only high school sport in which uh, all players can become pros. Uh, and that still applies here, because eSports, not everybody's going to become a professional. Just because you play in high school doesn't mean that you know, one of the, how many teams are there? We're going to talk about it a little later in the show. How many teams are in the, the Call of Duty thing? I think there's 12. <laughs> You're not, not everybody's going to play on that. Um, I would love to see, and it doesn't even, I know I have a connection with first. I don't even care about that. Make it Vex. Don't care. <laughs> Let's get uh, that as a sport too, because is there value? Of course, there's value in football and volleyball. And I'll go and say esports. All of that has has value. You know, you you learn teamwork and cooperation. You you learn a particular skill that could or could not uh, apply later in life. Robotics is the same way. I think it's strange that uh, students participating in robotics don't get excused absences for competitions because this organization has not deemed it a sport. That's my rant, uh, just because that annoys me. But on this particular topic, obviously it makes totally makes sense that Fortnite has been added to the roster because uh, 
mm. especially for high schoolers, I think it's the most popular game right now. Does that mean high school has to give into it? No. Because something is a fad, that means that they have that they have to recognize it. I mean No, and and just know. like just like any other sport, they don't have to they don't have to support it at all. Um, you know, very few schools actually I have mean, esports as part of their uh, after school curriculums. So now I'm gonna cover my bald head with my old man hat and just tell you that I think I think that the Esports are, are for real, obviously, in this day and age. A lot of people playing esports professionally. But what are we encouraging kids to do? Fortnite is a battle royale game where the goal of the game is I mean, and yeah, it's just a video game. No <laughs> one's really getting killed or whatever. But isn't the goal of the game to basically kill everybody? To eliminate your to eliminate your opponents, definitely to be the last one standing. The most right. the most logical so, way to accomplish that is by eliminating other players. But there are some other interesting strategies. Right. Okay. So, so you're teaching people. So first of all, I don't see how that really promotes great teamwork. Uh, but, but second of all. I mean, it's violent. Now, look, I'm no Puritan about this stuff. Video games can be violent. They're just video games. But high school is, but your school is supposed to be a little bit more, I don't know, selective about what it considers to be good for you. And if the school is stamping its seal of approval on it, that doesn't, you know, and saying this is a sport for which you can be, as you say, excused for competitions. It ought to and, be, and I don't know, wholesome in some way. It, I mean, it, it ought to be, you know, good, good for you. Robotics is good for you. Like, you know, it's of all the things that you sports that you named, I argue, of course, I'm not a big athlete, you know, <laughs> athlete, so this is just my perspective here, that it's better for you than almost anything else that you just named, including including real sports, like, I mean, traditional sports like football. Mm -hmm. Because, A, you don't normally get injured doing robotics competition. You're learning, you're using, you're learning valuable skills that you actually, as you pointed out, can take to a real career um, and you're preparing yourself for the jobs of the future. Um, you know, the other sports that you named sort of teach you about teamwork, but very few people who play on a high school football team are going to go into the NFL. Right. Very few people who play on a high school tennis team are going to, uh, you know, are going to compete, uh, not going to compete professionally. Right. So, you know, we're, we're giving those kids good experiences, you know, but but those experiences aren't really transferable to what they're going, aren't directly transferable to what they're going to do in the future. Right. Like and you could say, well, they learned the value of hard work or they learned teamwork or something, but sure. they're not going to be go, going, doing, doing this. Most of them are not going to grow up and do 
the th- same thing they did in high school sports. Sure. But if you compete in robotics, you could become an engineer. Or any of the other things that a robotics team has. There's there's business stuff. There's marketing stuff. There's there's all kinds of stuff. That's that's why I've been such a proponent of it for so long, and why this annoys me so much is because first and vex. I, yes, we have a show called First Looks. Don't care. Um, vex has a lot of the same things. They've got you know business plans because you've got to be able to to pay for your team, especially since it's not an official sport and you get no money from the state. You have to be able to figure out competitions. You've got scouting, which is a huge skill. And and to be fair to the NFHS, which is backwards, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> the name drives me mad. Um, the, the other non-traditional sport that they have um, listed as an official sport is speech, debate, and theater, which is also in that same realm of, you know, uh, speech and debate have skills within them that are applicable to many people when they get into the workforce. So they are they are supporting the concept, just not the concept of tomorrow, more like the concept of yesterday. So it annoys me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it's like they decided they would give the kids like permission to go out to go out of class and eat candy, but they wouldn't give them permission to go out of class and have broccoli. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're punished for eating their vegetables and rewarded for eating sweets. Which is weird to me. So, um I think that the NFHS dumb acronym. Um <laughs> I think they need to seriously consider looking at at first and vex um, together, and uh, and make robotics an official sport because I think it's time for the students to be uh, respected in the way that they deserve. If nothing else, a letter being being letterable for robotics I think is important. This week's news from the tubes at F5 Live is probably powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities like Sunset Strip, which looks bad, but not as bad as the one that was on just a second ago. I wish I could go back to it. Um, Squeak the Squirrel. I have no idea what it is. He is pulling a string. I don't know what it is. Um, The way it works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, you play it along with your DVD, Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh for things like Squeak the Squirrel. They are short films, like what you used to watch in school when the teacher didn't want to teach, or uh, maybe Industry Insider films. I do not know which this one is. Um, You can download the whole thing and, uh, and laugh because they are ridiculous. And to find all of these short films and feature films that are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. Obviously, after the show, I will be finding out what in the world Squeak the Squirrel is. But that's not right now. Right now, 
Um, let's talk about Google search. Obviously, Google is always changing their search. Uh, little tweaks here and there, usually to the algorithm. Very infrequently do they make any kind of uh, noticeable change to the actual search results. Um, but last year, mid-last year, I believe it was August, they changed the mobile results and uh, added the fave icon to the left top left corner of the search results. Now, if you don't know what that is, that is the icon that shows up in the top corner of a tab in your web browser. Um, if you're on our site, it looks kind of like an RSS field with a, a diamond in the corner instead of the dot. Um, they started adding that to the results. People really liked it uh, because it was kind of an indication of where you were headed, even if the domain name didn't give you um, give you enough help. And we're in a in a time where you know going to the wrong the wrong website. You can ask Jeff uh, Bezos. Uh, going to the wrong website can uh, have big consequences, and uh, so the fave icon can help. Sure, that can be faked too, but you know putting a domain name and a logo and all that stuff together. Uh, can help determine what you're looking at. Well, the, they uh, recently added it to the desktop search results because people liked it on mobile so much, and it had a very different result. <laughs> um, in fact, people disliked it so much that they have claimed that Google is trying to defraud its users because the size of the fave icon is exactly the same as the size for the uh, icon indicating that a result is an ad, and so users believe that Google is trying to hide which results are ads and which ones are not with a very subtle UI change. Now, I think everybody knows I'm not Google's biggest fan. However, I'm going to say this one was innocent. Um, I don't think that they're trying to defraud anybody. I think it was just a bad, um, bad decision. They didn't test it well enough. They just thought if it worked on mobile, it'll work on desktop. I can tell you as a designer, that is not a concept that works. <laughs> you, you cannot make the assumption that because it works on mobile, it'll work on desktop or vice versa. Um, so I think they just got defeated by, um, by bad user testing. That's my guess. What do you think, Abram? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's nefarious or not. I, I'm glad that they've taken it away because it's kind of ugly looking. Or at least I'm not getting it. Uh, you it's, know, it's, it is gone it was, right now. I mean, I was seeing... It's, it's been really... Like, I noticed it and I was like, I know what they're trying to accomplish here, which is to make it more obvious where you're going, uh, which is a laudable goal. But man the flood of icons it wasn't i didn't even think about it as being deceptive i just thought about it as being like so noisy uh, uh in terms of the design of the page it just looked it looked ugly it looked it didn't look google like yeah um so well, i don't know i mean well, i, I well, don't think what they did was in fairness, a bad idea in fairness the person that was in charge of making sure that it continued to be Google-like, they uh, demoted out of that role, and then she left the company. Well, there was Marissa, yeah, just, Marissa, Myers, uh, her, Marissa Meyer. Marissa Meyer, her job was to smack the hands of the designers when they tried to make 
the search results look non-Google-like. That was her job. Uh, right. Yeah. It, I don't know. It just looked, it looked wrong. I don't know. It, it looked wrong. It didn't look clean. Like one of the things that I like about Google is Google tends to have a very clean design. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're really good at, I mean, that's one thing that they've always done well is have design. That's like, look, you know, we've got a lot of white space. We don't put a lot of extra stuff and they've managed to our pages load fast. Um, so I wasn't a big fan of it, of those icons. I, I didn't actually feel like they were deceptive though. Yeah. I am with you. I don't think it was defe- deceptive. I think it was just a, it wasn't deceptive. It was defective. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to yeah. say. Um, I think they thought that because, because a, it worked on mobile and it works in news. Um, but news is a very different beast. You know what I mean? The, the news results are a very structured setup that the standard results are not. Um, and so I think they thought it worked in the other two. It'll work here too. And uh, it didn't. Users didn't like it. Like you're saying, you didn't like it. I um, don't use Google search. So I was aware that the change had happened and then aware that it went away because there was a press release about it. But um, I I wasn't a fan, um, but I also wasn't offended. I didn't care. (laughs) is really what it was. Um, but I, I can see how somebody takes the leap to, to, uh, deceptive, but I don't agree. And if you can't get me on board with your, uh, your, uh, Google conspiracy theories, it can't be that sound of a, (laughs) of a conspiracy theory. Yeah. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. Uh, You know you get free shipping. Everybody knows that. But you may not know about some of the other features that we love. Amazon Prime Music. Free music to stream uh, just just for being a subscriber. Um, Amazon Prime Video. TV. Movies. Documentaries. Both original and licensed. Again, free just because you're a subscriber. And of course, my favorite, Twitch Prime, which gives you one free subscription so that you can uh, help out the uh, creator of your choice. Uh, You get one subscription per month, and you get free games. Gotta love free games. Free stuff is always a win as far as I'm concerned. And uh, we've made uh, finding all this stuff as easy as possible. Uh, We've got links to all these features and more. And if you're not already a subscriber, we have a 30-day free trial, all by going to f5live.tv slash prime. So we've been talking about streaming video a lot lately, but we tend to uh, we tend to talk about it in terms of the more traditional uh, television replacement stuff. We don't oftentimes talk about the war that is really heating up over on the game streaming side. Um, obviously, Twitch 
from from Amazon is the market leader. Microsoft is making a big dent in that right now um, with their Mixer service, uh, with Twitch moving over. Uh, what? No, uh, Ninja moving over there. That from Twitch. That was a big move for Microsoft. But we also know that Facebook and YouTube have continued to try and fight for third place. And this week, Google and Activision made an announcement that YouTube is ready to fight. Um, they're taking their cues from Microsoft. They have signed a multi-year deal with Activision for more than just YouTube. Um, Activision's uh, pro uh, competitions will be using Google Cloud. But you know what? I'm not interested in chat. I'm not interested in infrastructure. Let's talk about streaming because all of the Activision-based uh, uh, tournaments, the big three uh, being Call of Duty, Hearthstone, and Overwatch, are all YouTube-exclusive starting two days ago. Uh, Friday started the Call of Duty League season, uh, and while the production value of the show was not great, um, it was exclusive to YouTube, and Google didn't have anything to do <laughs> with the company they hired for the broadcast. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Ooh, obviously everybody knows I'm sick. Um, uh, so, so Call of Duty is already there. Overwatch uh, starts, I think, in two weeks, um, and they will be exclusive over there too. And this, I think, is the biggest move that YouTube has made um, in terms of trying to actually trying to compete. YouTube gaming went away um, because they simply could not make the thing work. But I think this is a move that is actually going to make them a contender. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it's something obviously they can afford to do. Mm -hmm. So they, and you know, they're signing up a, at least they're, they're tying their, uh, they're tying to Activision, which makes sense because Activision is a huge game publisher and a huge player rather than trying to bring over somebody like Ninja, who's an individual. Right. Now, granted, granted, it seems to have paid a lot of dividends for Microsoft bringing over Ninja. And I don't know if the dividends for YouTube will be as immediate and the publicity will be as big as, hey, we got this person who's very famous. But it's probably overall a better strategy than just trying to get a particular personality who is popular today but could stop being popular tomorrow. Sure. Um, although, you know, Microsoft did grab number one and three from Twitch, but... The strategies are very different, right? Microsoft's goal was to bring over some some daily streamers, which their numbers will be lower, but there'll be a consistent presence on the platform. Google said, let's bring over big day one numbers, but they only stream sometimes, right? Because the tournament was this weekend, and now we won't hear anything from Call of Duty for a little while. It's not like, you know, every day for four hours, uh, the Call of Duty League is streaming. But when they do, boy, are they streaming, right? With millions of dollars in investment in their streams, with announcers, with, you know, it's a, it's a big production. Um, 
that brings in huge numbers in a box. Microsoft decided they wanted more consistency, and it will be interesting to see uh, what comes of it because, you know, if the if the act, I don't know how big uh, the terms are. It's possible that the uh, that the official teams uh, in the Activision what in the Call of Duty League might also be tied to um, tied to YouTube, which might help as well with that more consistent streaming. But my guess is the organizations are bigger than the than the teams, so it would be really hard to tie them down to something like that. But they're I think they're both valid strategies, and I think they're both going to pay off. It'll be interesting to see after the trouble that YouTube has had in the gaming space in anything serious um, how it'll play out. Obviously, you know we this is very different than the other side of the the field, right, Avram, where we talk about, you know, Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and Peacock and uh, BritBox and, you know, this huge... CBS. Yep, CBS All Access, uh, Quibi, you know, this huge collection of services, each one costing you something. This is the other way. This is costing the content providers. This isn't costing us anything. So the competition can only make the services get better. Um, I mean, the competition between Microsoft and Twitch made Mixer, uh, when it came from Beam to Mixer, way better. And then the Mixer 2.0 that we're running now is way better than the first one. And it made Twitch go and do big upgrades. So, you know, in th in this case, for, for the end user, the this kind of battle can only be good for us. It can only make the experience better. And I think, you know, I think that's the most important part for us. Now, I look forward to seeing where it goes. And that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. Uh, this is our first uh, real F5 live episode of 2020, uh, even though January is almost over. But we did do like 40 hours couple of weeks ago so i think we more than made up for that um and that content is still coming so you definitely want to check that out plug it slide.com slash ces uh you can see all of the stuff from this year as it gets published um there's a ton oh my goodness i have spent the last couple of days just getting ready for it um so definitely check that out uh follow us on social media um facebook instagram Twitter, Snapchat, all of them search for Pluckets Live. And it's easy to find. Um, and so I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Ibram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.